بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما الحمد للہ چنائی از دا ایٹ آف مے ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and the last thing I mentioned was the amazing statement of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu in which he mentioned in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he would recite the Quran to Ibn Mas'ud once every Ramadan and twice in the year of his passing So subhanallah, just like Jibreel did this for the Prophet sallallahu he would pass that on to Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. This majestic man also was one of those few blessed souls who had the honor of offering tahajjud side by side with our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Abi Wa'il rahmatullahi he relates that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu said, صَلَّيْتُ لَيْلَةً مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فَلَمْ يَزَلَ قَائِمًا حَتَّى حَمَمْتُ بِأَمْرِ سُوْهُ One night I offered salat alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and subhanallah he remained standing for so long that I was on the verge of doing something evil they asked وَمَا حَمَتَ بِهِ What were you on the verge of doing? He replied, Hamamto an aq'uda wa'ada an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I was about to sit down and leave the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Sahih Bukhari number 1135, Sahih Muslim number 773, Dirmadi in Ishmael number 277 to 8, Ibn Majah, number 1418, Ahmad in his Muslim, Sifat al-Safwa, volume 6, page 58, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 529 of the New English Translation. So in this absolutely flawless report in Bukhari and Muslim, Ibn Masood said something very interesting, radiyallahu. He goes, I offered salah with Rasulullah one night. So he was one of those few who had the honor. But then he said, he stayed standing so long I was on the verge of doing something evil. So, su means evil. So, the people were shocked. He goes, what were you thinking of doing? He goes, I was about to sit down and leave the Prophet. Meaning, I didn't. But he was standing for so long because it was almost, I almost broke. Now, look how interesting. He didn't say I was going to break the prayer. It shows his love for the Prophet Any disrespect, he considered it evil. He goes, I was on the verge of doing something evil. So was it evil? No. You know, if you're, if you're struggling and it's an optional prayer, you can terminate the prayer. But he goes, I can't do it because I was with the Prophet This probably occurred whilst our beloved Messenger was unaware of his presence. So we don't know that for certain. But that is more than likely. So why do I say that? Because another report mentions another eminent company. 
In Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma' Al-Zawaid, Volume 2, page 275, comments upon the chain of narrators. Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 4, page 531 of the New English Translation. Hudayfa, he said, I once came to Rasulullah as he was busy performing salah and I joined him in salah at the back without him knowing. So stop in the report. So Rasulullah's offering tahajjud, it must have been in the masjid because Hudayfa doesn't have access to the sacred chamber. So he says, I prayed behind him and I did it without him realizing. When he started Surah Al-Baqarah, I thought he would soon go into Ruku. So obviously, Alif Lam Meem, Zalik Al-Kitab. So he's thinking the Prophet is going to leave a portion and he's going to go into Ruku. But he continued. He went on to perform four rakats with the Ruku being as long as the standing. So he goes, the standing and the Ruku was the same. When I mentioned this to him later, he said, Why did you not inform me? I said, I swear by the being who sent you as a Prophet with the truth. Even now, I can feel the strain on my back. He remarks, Had I known you were behind me, I would have shortened the salat. In other words, you didn't even alert me. So now there's a few things pointed out here. Is it not true that Rasulullah could see behind him? So the scholars, they state that this is definitely for the obligatory prayer. One of the Tabi'een said this was all the time he could see. So now what happened here? And the response is, when he was praying by himself, he was with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when he was offering the obligatory prayer, he was concerned about the people as well. So he was lost in his thoughts, like you say, but obviously to a very, you know, another unique level. So don't think there's a contradiction. So Hudayfa took the full brunt of it. He said, this, I didn't even know what he, you know, what was happening. But my back was aching. And the Prophet told him, because I would have shortened it. You should have at least let me know. In a slightly different report. In Ahmad in his Musnad 5-396 Ibn Kathir Stafsir, Volume 8, page 228-9 of the English translation, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he said, I stood in Salat with Rasulullah one night, and he recited the seven long surahs in seven rakats, i.e. those one long surah in each rakat. When he raised his head from bowing, he said, he then said, Alhamdulillahi dhil malakut wal jabarut wal qibriyai wal azama. Praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the owner of malakut, might, pride, and greatness. His bowing was as long as his standing, and his prostration was as long as his bowing. Then he finished, and my legs were nearly broken. said, <laughs> So this adds details. So seven rakats, meaning it must have been the witr. He concluded with the witr. But in each rakat, so first rakat, Surah Baqarah, two and a half juz. Second rakat, Surah Ali Imran, another one and a half juz. Third rakat, Surah Nisa, another one and a half juz. And then what did Hudayfa radiyallahu say? He mentioned a dhikr he said in the, after the luku. 
الحمد للہ ذل ملکوت والجبروت والقبریاء والعظمہ پریز بی ٹو اللہ سبحانہ و تعالی دا اونر آف دا ملکوت دا ہڈن کنگڈم مائٹ پرائڈ اینڈ گریٹنس دین ہی مینشن رضی اللہ ہز رکوع واز ایز لانگ ایز ہی اسٹینڈ سو ہاؤ لانگ ڈز ہی ٹیک ٹو ڈیسائڈ بکر ہز رکوع واز دا لینتھ سو جود واز ایگزیکٹلی دا سیم دین ہی سیز مائی لیگز آلموسٹ بروک وین آئی فنش دا پرے سو ناؤ Why, why was Rasulullah going to extreme lengths? Now this is the sadness. Everything is reversed now. People do long rakats in fard. They break your back in fard. Tajjit, not even pray. Right? Look at Rasulullah. So compassionate when he was leading the prayer. When he offered tajjit, that's when he started doing the long rakats. Why? Because who are you trying to impress with these long rakats? The Prophet said, you should offer the prayer, the obligatory prayer as the Imam, according to the standard of the weakest one behind you. <laughs> They don't even look back. Allah Akbar, hang on a minute. Didn't you realize there's a guy sitting on the chair? And what do you start reading? Surah Maryam. Why do you read Surah Ikhlas? Read Surah Maryam in Tajjit. But you offer Tajjit. So there's another lesson there. But with the Prophet there's an important report. In Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma' al-Zawaid, Volume 2, page 271, comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 4, page 527 of the New English Translation. Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahumma, he relates that our beloved messenger warned one and all, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given every prophet, alayhi salatu wa sallam, a yearning for something out of the endless deeds. My yearning is for standing in salat at night. Therefore, when I stand up for Salat at night, none of you should ever follow me. <laughs> I, without informing me. This is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma' Al-Zawaid, Volume 2, page 271, 271, comments upon the chain of narratives, Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 4, page 527 of the New English Translation. So there's a very interesting report. Why? Every prophet had a yearning for a special deed. So I have no idea. So you got the five great ones. So what was Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam? Special yearning for, no idea. What was Isa alayhi salatu wasalam? When he, he comes back, ask him alayhi salatu wasalam. Rasulullah said, mine's tahajjit. But he mentioned standing. He didn't mention that. This is why Imam Abu Hanifa said, the most, the greatest position in salat is standing. The Prophet didn't say sujood. Sallallahu alayhi salam. Why? Because the Quran is recited. And then he warned, he goes, when I stand at night, none of you should follow me. Meaning, I'm not like you all. And what's interesting, the next greatest bukul. <laughs> Think about that. You know, if anybody could handle it, it was the Sahaba. And he was Ibn Masood. He goes, I had an evil thought. Who's Ibn Masood? Not normal person. Who's Hudayfa? Because my legs broke. Subhanallah, this narration alone suffices to highlight the eminence of Tahajjit. When people say, what's the reward? Did you forget to mention this report? What's the reward for Tahajjit? And people start mentioning, you know, other reports. He goes, It was the special deed that the Prophet loved more than others. Isn't that the greatest virtue of Tajit? <laughs> Imagine, he wasn't zikr, he wasn't this, he said it himself. It's because I, my yearning is Tajit. And I warn you, don't pray behind me. So now, Hudayfa was interesting. He used to get so mad when people rushed the prayer. So there's a hadith, it's authentic. And he saw a man praying and he called him. And he said, how long, and he, I'm summarizing the report. 
He's I've prayed. He's how long? He's I prayed for sixty years. He goes, you haven't prayed a single prayer. He goes, if you died today, you would die in a religion other than Muhammad. <laughs> that Allah, it's amazing. He's not standing his back. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Now, why was Hudayfa so angry with him? Because he remembered the Sunnah's prayer. He's thinking, look at the contrast. My bike almost broke. My legs almost broke. And what are you doing? But Ibn Hajar Asqalani said something very interesting about that report. He goes, how could he be 60 years? <laughs> 23 years with the Prophet and 37 years. That means Hudayfa passed away by that time. <laughs> so he goes, there's a problem with it. Whatever the case, you realize that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't tolerate this. And he warned people about that. And people now, you know, it's... You see some of the elders and you, you think the same thing. You think this guy doesn't even know how he's praying. He's probably 70 years old and he's still not praying properly. <laughs> and you feel the you know you feel the words for them. <laughs> Allahu Akbar, even when Rasulullah was injured, his tahajjad was still of a phenomenal nature. In Abu Ya'la, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 2, page 274, states Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 530 of the New English Translation. Anas radiyallahu anhu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was injured one day. The following morning, someone said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the effect of the injury is still clearly noticeable on you, meaning it was a mark. And they, or, they, or they could see him not walking correctly. There was some mark. He goes, you, we can see the injury. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, despite this, I recited seven lengthy surahs last night. Despite this, I recited seven lengthy surahs last night. Now think about that. Normally when a person's ill, what did the hadith say? You get the reward. Relax. Allah gives you the paycheck without working. Look at the yearning. The Prophet didn't even shorten it. Think about that. Somebody goes, okay, he did the tajid, but he must have read, you know, like, probably just Amma. No. Seven long surahs. What's the difference? He's injured. So no tajid. The peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon our beloved messenger always and forever. So how many companions had the honor of praying with him? So we know a few. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Hudayf ibn al-Yaman, Abdullah ibn Abbas, his cousin. But the Prophet knew he was there. That's his shame. And the report says that Ibn Abbas joined him and he stood to his left. The Prophet then during Salat, he goes, he grabbed my ear, twisted it, and made me come to the right. And then Ibn Abbas would later say he shortened it for me. Because the prayer was short for me. Because he was staying, because Maimuna was the aunt of uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas. So he stayed that night and he wanted to play. And what's interesting, Abdullah ibn Abbas pretended to be asleep. He didn't want to trouble the Prophet. So when the Prophet got up, because I was observing him, because how he did wudu, what zikr he did. And when he started the taj, because I joined him. But the Prophet knew. He goes, I know he's going to join me. So he had the honor as well of uh, offering the tajjid. There's not many. And they were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about that. At the same time, what do you realize? You realize how far the people are from the sunnah. You know, this was the most beloved deed to the Prophet I'm ashik. Do you play tajjid? No. What sort of ashik are you? Subhanallah. The blessed companions were thus fully conversant as to just how beloved Abdullah ibn Masood was to our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa In Ibn Asakr, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 3, page 684 of the New English Translation, Uthman ibn Abi al-As, he said, there are two personalities 
whom the Prophet treated as intimate friends. They were Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ammar ibn Yasir. SubhanAllah. Let's look at this. So who knows the companions best? The companions. What did Uthman ibn Abi al-As say? He goes, there was two. I've noticed. I noticed this. These two were intimate. They were they, they had some special connection to the Prophet And you think Abu Bakr and Umar. He didn't mention the sheikhs. He goes, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ammar ibn Yasir. This is an Ibn Asakir, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 3, page 6 and 4 of the New English Translation. Similarly, Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would send Amr ibn al-As as the commander of the armies, which included eminent companions. On hearing this, once the people asked Amr ibn al-As, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would appoint you as an army commander and kept you close. Did he love you? I more than the other companions. So Amr ibn al-As said, that is true. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would appoint me as an army commander, but I do not know whether he loved me or not. However, I will mention to you the names of two such personalities whom he kept dear and beloved till his passing day. And they were Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ammar ibn Yasir. This is in Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Omal, volume 5, page 238, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 684 to 5 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So Amr ibn al-As, he was the fox of the Arabs. He embraced Islam the same day Khalid bin Walid embraced Islam. And uh, Uthman ibn Talha, radiyallahu ta'ala. So when he embraced Islam, the Prophet made him a commander of an army. He asked for reinforcements. And Rasulullah sent Abu Bakr, Umar, and Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. And then, the, to quote a long narration short, he was made the Amir of even the two sheikhs and the trustworthy one of the Ummah. So the people, they heard this. They said, is that true? He goes, yes. He goes, did the Prophet love you? Meaning, above other Sahaba by doing that. And he said, I don't know. Now, why did he say that? Because he asked. There's another report. He actually told the hadith is in Tirmidhi authentic. When he, he went through his blessed heart, he thought, I must be the most beloved. So he goes, Ya Rasulullah, who's the most beloved person to you? So the Prophet said, Aisha. This is in Bukhari and Muslim. So he goes, No, I didn't mean amongst the females. I mean amongst the males. So the Prophet said, Her father, Abu Bakr. So Amr ibn al-As is thinking, okay, now we think silver medal, right? He goes, who's next? He goes, Umar. And then he goes, I stop asking because I fear I, I thought I might be the last. In another report, he asked and Abu Ubaidah was mentioned third. So then Amr learned that just because Rasulullah has appointed me doesn't mean he loves me more than the senior sahab. So what's touching here, he didn't mention that. All he said was, I don't know whether he loved me. But of course, he definitely loved him. Allah Ta'ala chose him to be with the Prophet But then look what he said, just like Uthman ibn Abi al-As. But I'm going to mention too. And because they had a special connection. And which two did he mention? The same as the previous Sahaba. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Ammar ibn Yad. They had some special connection with the Prophet Thus, it would not now come as any surprise to learn 
that no other than the keeper of secrets. Sayyidina Hudayfa said something very interesting about Ibn Masood. And the scholars have written books on this. He said, the fortunate ones amongst the companions, they know that Ibn Umi Abd is amongst the closest means of wasila to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an Imam Ahmad in his Fada'il al-Sahaba 2-841, half his Khatib in his Tariq 1-149, Sahih. So this is very interesting. The keeper of secrets, he said, the fortunate ones amongst the Sahaba, meaning not all the Sahaba know this, but he goes, the, meaning the elite, they know this. What do they know? That Ibn Mas'ud is one of the closest means of wasila to who? To Allah. So now think about that. Scholars have written books on this. What does that mean? It means, what does wasila mean? In Surah um, Nisa, sorry, in Surah Maida, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, you who believe, seek a wasila to Allah. Allah ta'ala says that in Surah Maida. Somebody goes, what does that mean? Wasila means you ask through your good deeds. That's a wasila. To get your needs fulfilled. You ask through the great names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You ask a righteous person to make a du'a for yourself, wasila. Some ulama said you can go through the righteous debt without you know, leaving aside the difference of opinion. Ibn Masood. The Sahaba goes, he's a wasila. Now think about that. When they wasilas, was it Abu Bakr wasila? Umar, Uthman, Ali, Ashur Abu Bashar, Badris. He goes, they knew. Now this explains the previous reports. What did they say? Because I will mention to you two personalities. Because they were kept very close to the Prophet Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Ammar ibn Yasir. Now think about that. Which fiqh, we're going to come to this at the relevant time, is heavily dependent on Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the Hanafi fiqh. What did Hudayfa say? He is one of the greatest wasilas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how is that for the stamp? For the Hanafi fiqh? Right? If you want to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the greatest ways is to go through the Hanafi fiqh. If you leave the Sahab, you go direct, you're going to end up in a mess. Right? So note here, all of these narrations indicate his status. And also, can we use him as a wasil? Yes, you can. You can make a dua. You can say, Ya Allah, for the sake of your beloved servant, the noble companion, Abdullah ibn Masood, who Hudayfa said is one of the greatest wasilas to you, I ask you through your love for him to fulfill my need. Bole bali musamangu, no, I'll ask through my deeds. All right, mate, don't do it. Right? Why did he say that? The keeper, keeper of secrets. Any sahaba would have been astonishing, but the one who knew the monafics, he's telling you that. What's he telling you? He goes, you can't be monafic if you're doing this. So anybody who has a problem with him, they might have hypocrisy in their hearts. That's why if you look deeply into the statement of Hudayfa radiallahu. So all I mentioned today was just two things. One was the honor that Ibn Masood was given by praying next to the Prophet And he suffered because he, the Prophet didn't realize he was next to him. I mentioned then Hudayfa and also the love the Prophet had for Tajid And then I mentioned the most informative reports where two companions in particular 
were noted to be very close to the Prophet and Hudayfa said he was a wasila to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions you like ask?